the Cedic Run Mile Extravaganza is back. On June 4th, runners of all ages and abilities will descend upon Cushman Field in Grand Forks to race the mile. The evening will begin with a community mile open to anyone interested in testing out the distance. There will be several competitive heats following that for those looking to push the pace a little bit faster, and the night will conclude with our men's and women's elite heats. Over the past several summers, this event has gained popularity for several reasons. The atmosphere is great, the energy is high, and most importantly, records always seem to be broken, whether that's a personal best or the outdoor North Dakota mile record, which was set last year by Matty Van Beek in four minutes and 42 seconds. From hobby joggers to all Americans, there's a spot for everyone out on the track and we are super excited to have you there. So mark your calendars for Saturday, June 4th from 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. and follow at SDR Mile on Instagram and Cedic Run on Instagram and Facebook for more updates. We are super excited for this event and we hope that you are too. If you've been waiting patiently for our interview with Matt Bai, I'm happy to tell you that it's finally here. While we were able to record this a few weeks ago, I couldn't get it out on time because of some grad school commitments, but I am happy to announce that I passed my practical exam and that podcasting should now resume as normal. In the meantime, let me tell you a little bit about Matt by the Multi. I first got to know Matt while he was a decathlete at Concordia College in Moorhead as he began to get a grasp of some of these events that were new to him. Not everybody does the deck in high school, so as he was learning new events, his stock began to skyrocket, and it didn't take long for him to find his way on top of the MIAC conference and even onto the national stage. In 2018, Matt earned All-American honors in the deck, but that would be his final national meet as a cobber. Once the COVID pandemic struck, Matt found himself out of college athletics, but it wouldn't be for long. He's found his way onto the roster for the University of Milwaukee, where he's putting together his final outdoor season with the Panthers. This was such a great interview, you guys, and I'm sure that you're going to love it too. So thank you again for your patience. But without further ado, let's dive into the newest episode of the Prairie Track and Field Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Prairie Track and Field Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Enerson, and today I have a very special guest with me. Started off as a Moorhead Spud. I know, not from North Dakota, but he's close enough from the Fargo Metro. He then went on to Concordia, where he was an All-American and a two-sport athlete, and now he's ended up in his final season of eligibility at the University of Milwaukee in Wisconsin. So we've got Matthew by here. Matt, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Dude, absolutely. You've been a guest I've wanted to get on for so long, so I'm super excited that we're finally doing this. But I think part of the reason I was a little hesitant about getting you on is you aren't truly from North Dakota. So, like, what do you have for us that helps qualify you? Uh, I, I know a lot of the people you talk to. Um, and one actually interesting fact, uh, when I'm just, like, walking around Milwaukee, if I get in a conversation with someone and they ask where I'm from, I can never say more in Minnesota. Like no one knows where that is. I, I got to say Fargo, North Dakota. Okay. So as much as it hurts a Minnesota resident, it is uh, definitely more of a landmark than Moorhead is. So <laughs> uh, I use uh, my dual citizenship and 
kind of pull my North Dakota card. <laughs> Love to hear it. Yeah, that's uh, I think that definitely counts you. That qualifies you for the podcast. So we can, we can keep going. The other thing I have to ask you is I texted you this earlier, but I was trying to Google some pictures of you for Instagram to use. And literally there was two pictures of you and like 35 pictures of Matt Bowling that popped up. So <laughs> what do you have to say about that? <laughs> and I don't think those should be in the same uh, Google search. <laughs> I mean, different realms of athletes. I don't know. I don't know, man. You guys like low key. If you glanced at a picture, I can see how you would maybe see some resemblance. Both of blonde hair, tall, but but you're also growing out the hair a little bit too. So I am, yeah. Post uh, post marriage hair is what what we've been calling it. Okay, okay. So you haven't cut it since you got married. Uh, I've gotten one haircut, uh, but for a long time, it it was longer than this actually. Um, Yeah, some of the pictures that you did end up sending me, I was like, you got some pretty good salad. Only, yeah. only thing missing was a few croutons in there, and that was it. <laughs> <laughs> Getting okay. Getting into some actual questions, though. So you did say you're from Moorhead, and you know we'll cover where you're at right now today. But I just want to know, what was your first experience with track? Like, how did you get into track and field? And what is more, what is the programs like in Moorhead? Because I know some guests we talked to, they've got youth programs in their town growing up. Did you guys have something like that? Um, I, I think we did. Uh, my first experience was, would probably be my older brothers, uh, two older brothers and they both ran track. Um, one of them, the oldest being seven years older than me. So I was pretty young when I was, when he was first running. Um, and I pretty much just followed everything that they did. Uh, but I think there was, uh, when I was in elementary school, there was uh, like a running camp I went to one time. I'm sure just because one of my brothers was like running or helping it, helping Mm -hmm. at it. Um, yeah, it was sort of in my family. We played baseball until our like middle school, like official track team, I think in seventh grade started. So we played baseball up through sixth grade and then seventh grade, we'd make the transition to track. And we, I think both my older brothers did the same thing. And at that point you knew you were going to be a decathlete, right? Yeah. I don't think I knew what it was until like my sophomore year or my freshman year of college. maybe. Yeah. No, I think, I think everybody's in the same boat there. So at Moorhead High, you were a standout athlete, and I don't know if I've ever told you this story, but I remember my freshman year, it must have been my freshman year, like picking up a Fargo Forum because they were just on different places around NDSU's campus, and like I remember opening it up to the sports page, and there was an article about you on the front of the sports page. It was during basketball season, and you did something awesome. You led your team to some big win or something. I was like, oh, this Matt Bye guy, he sounds like a stud. But and then funny that you fast forward so many years later and, you know, we're competitors and we're friends now. But just tell me, like in high school, did you know that you were going to do track in college? Was it more football? You ended up being a two sport athlete at Concordia. But talk us through some of your high school accomplishments. Yeah, uh, I mean, before that, growing up, I think basketball is probably my first one true love. Um, Just it was so accessible. I mean, maybe not so much in the dead of the winter, but you could pick up a basketball anytime and play it. And that was really attractive to me. But yeah, in high school, uh, football was probably a bigger deal to me, mostly just because I think it probably got me more attention than anything, which I mean, any you can ask any high school boy if they're going to like football or track more. Most of them are going to probably say football if it gives mm-hmm. them that attention that they want. Yeah. Um, 
And our football program at Moorhead was awesome. The coaches and everyone in the community really gathered around it pretty well. So it was a lot of fun um, beyond just some of those more personal things. Just being a part of the team was uh, great. So going into college, um, well, we can get to it later, but going into college, I really had to decide what I was going to do, but I knew I really wanted to play football. Um, and then I think track and basketball were going to be secondary, whatever whatever the decision decision was, I think football was probably in the moment was the primary thing I was concerned with. Yeah. And when you went to Concordia, were you going to do track? Cause were you actually just going to do football and basketball? Was that the plan? Uh, was, I think, was basketball ever in the cards? It, I think it wasn't right away. Um, I think after my senior year of basketball, I kind of thought uh, over the summer before my freshman year of college, I, went to uh, Concordia, their gym a few times and played, a few, I think, a few pickup games with some of the guys. And I think after that, I decided, you know, I maybe shouldn't play basketball, uh, maybe just football and track. Um, and after the football season ended my freshman year, I, I think for one weekend, I sat around with nothing to do. And I texted the basketball coach who I knew pretty well and asked if it would be, if it would be something that would work out. So my freshman year, I played basketball as well. Um, it was it was really busy and maybe it wasn't the greatest experience, but um, yeah, it was it was a split second decision to play basketball my freshman year as well. And so, when you're watching March Madness now, do you ever wish you would have stuck around and played basketball all four years? There's a small part of me. It'd be hard to trade the experiences that I had with being able to do football and uh, track. Um, it was part of it was a logistical decision, just with basketball in the middle. If I didn't do basketball, I could have two full seasons of football on track. Um, but yeah, and I definitely, it was the first year was kind of rough. I couldn't really watch too much college basketball or high school basketball, even for that matter. Um, just because I knew it was better that I, I didn't play, but it was hard to watch because it made me want to play even more. Mm -hmm. Definitely. So, okay, tangent, who are you watching? Who are you cheering for? Wisconsin, Wisconsin, Milwaukee was supposed to like, you guys were supposed to actually be pretty good this year, but I think you guys kind of fell yeah. apart. Yeah, you, you I, I don't know if I can comment on that. Uh, <laughs> I, growing up, I was a Duke fan. Um, so I, because they're still in it, right? Yeah, yep. Yeah, I haven't been watching it super closely because we were just on vacation while the first two rounds were happening. Um, it would, yeah, because well, I was cheering for the Badgers because they have a bunch of Minnesota kids that I mm -hmm. played against. Um, so it was cool to see them play. Uh, but yeah, usually I just kind of cheer for Duke or any of the low seeds that sneak by. Nice, nice. So you're a big St. Peter's guy right now, then? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I looked. Uh, I didn't. I wasn't watching the game, um, and I think I must have not been looking at any of the results for a few days. And I see like a 15 seed like sneak all the way into the Sweet 16, and I'm like, this is crazy. Yeah. Oh, that's a good story. Well, back. Okay, back to your story. Sorry for the tangent, but so. Tell me what that first football season was like. And then what was your first track season like when you were a freshman? Oh, man. Uh, what what first, position did you play in football right away? Uh, I was a quarterback most of my life, all the way through high school. Um, and then my freshman year, I was a quarterback in college. Um, and then my sophomore year, I, I began a, a transition to wide receiver a little bit. Uh, so my first year, um, oh man, uh, so I was a quarterback. I, I, the offense was different from what I had ran in high school. So that was a little bit of a transition. 
um, just getting used to basically new play calls, um, new footwork and just different things that have to happen uh, mentally and physically. Um, but it was, it was a good transition. Like I said, our high school football program was ran really well. So it was ran more like a college program. So in terms of what was expected um, from the quarterback position, that wasn't a big transition. Like it wasn't like I had to take all of these responsibilities on my shoulders. Uh, it was just different things that I had to get used to. Um, I think it was a good experience. Um, I can't remember if I was like the second or third string quarterback, but I do know that there was like a few times where I think the starter kind of got banged up and I, I was having to get ready to go in. Um, I don't think I ever had to take any meaningful snaps, um, but it was, it was fun. It was fun being a freshman and not really having to care too much about, you know, like if I play bad, we'll lose. Cause you know, there wasn't a, wasn't a bunch of playing time. Um, but it was nice. You got to meet a bunch of people because it's a big team. So that's, that's good at the beginning of college. Right. Right. So now compare that experience to your first season of track. Oh, my freshman year of track was, was the experience in terms of like the friendships were great. Uh, I think I performed terribly because uh, I, I had gained so much weight for football and I never really lost it during basketball. So I came in, um, so I start my heaviest weight I ever was in college was like right around 220 pounds. Okay. So I was, I was a big guy. And so we had a really good high jumper, a female high jumper. And I can't remember what she high jumped. It was maybe right around like five, seven or five, eight. Mm-hmm. And there was like a handful of meets where she would like high jump, like higher than me. Um, <laughs> and that was just, that was demoralizing having to go to practice um, and she was like an awesome talent, but um, it, uh, I think it eventually got better by the end of the outdoor season, my freshman year. Uh, I think I maybe had a few decent hurdle races um, going into my next year, which, which felt good. Uh, mm-hmm. I think a, a fun story for the indoor season. Um, so I didn't do any indoor track. Mm-hmm. All I did was basketball. And so the last week of basketball, the coach was, he gave me like the green light to go practice track basically. So I did, I went over college hurdles, like maybe twice, trying to get used to the 42 inch hurdles from high school. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I had two practices and then I think I came, I think it was the NDSU meet, um, that meet that's like in February, early in February. Yep. So I went, after like two practices, I went to that meet and I ran a decent time and that was my PR for like a year and a half, like practicing like twice. Dang. So then I, and then my entire sophomore year, I don't think I beat that time until maybe the end of my sophomore year. But so I, I mean, maybe practicing's overrated. So I don't know. <laughs> it does look like by the end of your sophomore year, it looks like you actually tied that. Okay. And then it looks like you actually hit that a couple times. And then it looks like you did finally. Yeah. My uh, junior year, I definitely dropped under that. Yeah. Yeah. So no, you were, yeah. Compared to football, how did you like track? Like going forward, did you think you were ever going to choose one or did you think you were always going to be a dual sport athlete? Um, I don't think, I think really the decision was uh, between which of the three I was going to lose because after we had a postseason basketball meeting my freshman year and um, one of the assistant coaches who we had, had a meeting with, he basically told me that if I continue to, to do all three, he'll make the decision for me and won't let me play basketball. 
Um, and you said, if you do all three, like you won't be good at any of them. And that in the moment, it made me really mad. Cause I was like, mm-hmm. no, like I, I'm going to do this all four years. And he was right. And I said, he, I mean, he was absolutely right. Um, but <laughs> that ticked me off so much right away. I remember. Um, and then I think it was a little time after that. I'm like, Hey, you're right. Um, you were right about that. I probably shouldn't do basketball. Um, I don't know if he was trying to get me to quit basketball, but, <laughs> uh, but after that, I think football and track was doable together. So I don't think I ever really felt the need to decide between those two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then like you had ended up having a lot of success in both um, in track right away. It was probably not going to be the multi, but we always talk about as decathletes, like, you don't often choose the multi, like the multi kind of finds you somehow. Yeah, yeah. And we, we had uh, Heather Zander on, she went to NDSU and she told us kind of her story, how she came to the multi and I've talked about it a few times, but what was that first conversation like with um, your coaches at Concordia? I'm sure Garrick was wanting you to give it a shot. How did that conversation go between you two? Um, well, I think probably my first experience was, uh, our like hurdle practices and our high jump practices, we would practice with the multis. So, and I didn't really know what a decathlon was um, right when I got to college. So it was probably a few weeks in, I was like, so I see you guys practicing like eight other events. So like, why are you, why are you doing that? Like, that doesn't seem like something someone, anyone would choose to do. So they kind of explained it to me. And I think Garrett, he didn't push it on me right away. I think partially because I got there and I put up such bad marks for the first like half a season um yeah I don't know I think my sophomore year he asked me if I wanted to try it and I said not yet maybe I'll wait till outdoor um so I practiced something I mean like I think vault was probably the hardest thing right away so I did a few of those practices and then I was like okay like I'm I'm sold like let's let's do this thing like let's do it the whole year uh so I think the beginning of my sophomore year maybe halfway through the indoor season uh, I decided, and that was maybe a week or two before that NDSU multi that goes mm-hmm. on every year. Um, I think it was maybe a week or two before that. Um, and from then on, I was sold and I've loved it ever since. Yeah. And you actually took second at that meet. Um, yeah. That was Alex Coffey, friend of the podcast. Yeah. Won yeah. the meet. So, yeah. Don't even talk about the results. That was <laughs> the points. The points from that hep were, were laughable. Hey, but you got to start somewhere, right? And like you yeah. decided a week before and you, yeah, I mean, like you moved up even so much that freshman year just in those events. So, so, okay. You, you find the multi, you're sold on it. So moving forward, when did you feel like you had your breakthrough or when did you feel like you were truly a multi and like, this was going to be something you were really good at? I mean, I guess it kind of depends who's asking. Um, I think probably uh, maybe outdoor my sophomore year. Um, indoor wasn't great my sophomore year, but then as we got outdoor outdoors, those events are a little bit better for me. I'm a little bit bigger guy, so throwing helps me. Um, making the 60 into the 100 and the same with the hurdles helps. Um, mm-hmm. There was a, a probably – maybe a month or two where we had to do a bunch of multis in a row. It just worked out. Um, and I sort of started to get the hang of a few of the events. Um, and I think that was probably the moment I realized that I could do a few things. It wasn't, I mean, obviously every event at that point wasn't yet 
um, where I wanted it to be. But a few enough of the events clicked all at the same meet where I'm like, hey, like I can I can do some of these events. Um, like I think pole vault was probably the biggest thing. Like I I don't know if I, at that point I had vaulted 13 feet, but I was like starting to get upside down uh, in disc. I was starting to like spin across the ring well. The jab was starting to fly well. I think I ran like a good 15, which is always good at the end of a long weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think just doing a bunch of multis at the end of my sophomore year started to kind of open my eyes to the to the possibilities. Yeah. And at the end of your sophomore year, you ended up taking second at the conference meet, the MIAC meet. Um, yeah. After I had gotten like 12th or something indoors. Yeah. So I was a nobody at that point. <laughs> Yo, you had a huge glow up, I guess we'd say. You took 10th indoors and then you come back and you end up taking second and some really nice marks sprinkled in there. Like you're saying the javelin flew well, like over 50 meters. That's really solid. And 12 and a half feet for a guy that hadn't been doing a lot of jumping, really great. And 35 meter discus throw and you're under five minutes in the 15. So just like a really big meet. You go on to do the the Mayak championships where you compete in a few more. And then you end up qualifying for the NCAA D3 meet. Mm-hmm. What, what was that experience? Like when you found out you qualified, do you remember the feelings? Uh, I, I remember at our, uh, our outdoor conference meet, um, going into it, my mark was not phenomenal. Um, so I, I, w- I, w- I don't even think I knew what TFERS was, the, like, uh, the uh, results page that mm-hmm. I'm sure a lot of your followers know. Um, I, w- I didn't even really know what that was at the time. I didn't know where I sat nationally. Like that wasn't on my radar. And then at the outdoor meet, I think uh, Garrick said like, hey, like here's a, like, a fun fact. This is where you sit nationally. And I'm like, oh, like, cool. What, like, what does that mean? Um, so then I explained like top 20, I think go, and, uh, there's like a last chance meet in like four days. If you want to go do another multi or it was probably, it was probably a week and a half. Cause we had the rest of our conference meet. Um, so we, I think I was a few spots out of qualifying. So we geared up and drove to, I think Chicago, um, and we're competing there and we're just, I mean, watching other results around the country as we're competing, trying to figure out where we are. Um, and I think we kind of, we were the latest multi. So I think during the 15, we knew what I had to run to qualify, um, mm-hmm. given that all our math was right. Uh, and I remember like coming down the home stretch, trying to do the math in my head. Like, it's like, okay, how fast am I running right now? I got like, eight seconds, like, like 70 meters to run. Um, and I got really close to the finish line. And I, 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 I thought I was under the time and I was, but I kind of like put my like hands up as I crossed the finish line. <laughs> And I think Garrick said something to me right away. I think I got a text from like two of the other coaches after Garrick texted them, like a picture of me, like kind of celebrating early a little bit. Uh, so every, all the coaches are in my ear about celebrating early, but um, yeah, I think I snuck in at like 18th, I think top 20 go. Um, so that was a good feeling. Um, I think I had like a minute to myself on the track after that. It was like, thinking to myself, I'm like, this is like crazy. Going from high school where football was really the only thing I was focused on and track was just kind of something fun that I did on the side um, to doing something that, and at least in the moment, felt really special to me. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It was it was a good feeling. And obviously the next year I qualified again, um, but still that first time was, I think, pretty special for me. Yeah. There's just those moments that you have. And sometimes it's like an individual event and the multi is always a little something different though, because mm-hmm. when you've, when you haven't done a multi, it's, 
hard to describe, but when you've done 10 events and you get down to the end and you see, you look back over the two days and you think about all the highs and the lows that you've Mm -hmm. had, because I mean, granted, there's always going to be lows in a multi, but when you're able to look back and you see your body of work and you see where it brought you and yeah, it's always such a good feeling. And then like, I love to how you're talking about doing the math in your head. Cause how many times are you in a deck or a half when you're just like crunching numbers? Like mm-hmm. you're, especially it's always terrible when it's not so much like you're racing the clock, like you were, but have you had a few multis where you've like got to be behind someone or in front of somebody by a certain number and you're yeah, always like going to those the, numbers, the 15 or the one K and you're like, Oh, this is going to hurt really bad. <laughs> yeah. I guess like for any of the listeners that don't know, like indoors in the thousand, each second is worth about 10 points. So if you've got 70 points on someone, for example, you've got seven seconds, you've got to beat them by and outdoors. It's like somewhere like seven or eight points per second. But yeah, I've had a few where it comes down to like, shoot, I've got to be within this guy or I got to try to beat this guy by some. Oh, it's a good feeling. It's a good feeling when you do it. It's a terrible feeling when you don't. Yeah. And I think that's, I don't think track gets enough credit for being competitive. I think obviously like when you're racing someone, it's easy to say like, Oh, just like beat them. But I think like it gets almost kind of personal when you're like, Oh, this person can't beat you by more than three seconds. Or like you have to beat them by like a certain time. Mm-hmm. Like it gets, like it gets really competitive. Yeah. More so than a normal race would be. Right. Right. You're and trying it, like... to like find them in the like pack. If it's like a big field. Uh, it's exhilarating. I honestly, I kind of, I don't like the one K very much, but the 15 is a lot of fun. I think. I, yeah. And it's funny that you say that. Cause like, I, I don't know, over time I've grown to like both those events more just because mm-hmm. it is so gritty when you get to the end and it's like, I've got to run this if I want to score this, or I have to run this much faster if I want to beat this guy. And yeah, it is a pride thing for sure. Oh man. Now I'm just like super amped up. Now I'm like, let's get on the spikes. Let's go on the track and run a 15. (laughs) Uh, I don't say that very often, but so like you said, you qualified for nationals the next year. Uh, Did you qualify indoor too? Um, You ended up placing 11th and then you also qualified outdoor where you kind of, well, first of all, we should recap your conference meet you ended up winning the Mayak championship outdoors in 2019. Nice score, 65, 86. And then outdoors first team, all American eighth place finish. Just tell me what that was like. Cause you'd qualified for a couple national meets, but when you're actually in the fold and you get one of those sweet trophies, like that's gotta be a pretty good mm-hmm. feeling. Yeah. Uh, that was, um, that was the first year I think, uh, that indoor and the outdoor championships was the first year really where it felt like I belonged at that meet. Um, the year before, it was just awesome to be there to see kind of what the, the big deal was. And, and I figured, you know, unless something crazy were to happen, um, I finished where I kind of expected I would have finished. Um, but yeah, my uh, junior year, um, I went with a little bit higher expectations than the year before. Um and, you know, I don't, I guess I don't remember too many particular events that went on um, at that outdoor championship. Um, but I just remember the, the thing we were just talking about when it came down to, uh, we, as, uh, as pole vault started to slow down a little bit, we kind of knew where people were 
Uh, even going into Javelin, where it's a little bit slower event, you can kind of do some math. Uh, we figured out, like, if you throw this far, you have to beat this guy by this much, basically. Um, so I, it was the same thing. Went down to the 15. I don't remember who it was. It was a, a, a Wisconsin athlete. Um, but he was the guy in ninth. And it was basically, like, you have to stay ahead of him by this much or, like, he'll get eighth and you'll get ninth, um, which would have dropped me out of the, the All-American spot. Um but yeah, I, I don't remember. It was close. I think they only beat him by a few points. So um, I, I must have been, cut it a little bit closer than Garrett would have wanted. <laughs> um, but I, I vividly remember on probably the second to last or last lap. And Garrett doesn't yell a whole lot. Uh, he's a pretty quiet guy. He'll like cheer you on. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I heard his voice like distinctly yelling that I was like not on my pace on the third lap. Cause uh-huh. I told him, I'm like, Hey, I'm going to try to be as relaxed as possible. I think that's how I'll run the best race. And he's like, okay, like good. I'll like, whatever you think, like, I'm not going to disagree with you now. And I got into the race and I just like slowed down off the pace way too much. So I had to give it a little gas with, I don't know, probably like 500 meters left, which is never fun. Um, that definitely hurts, but um, I got, got the job done, I guess. Yeah. Worth it in the end. Yeah. So when we posted on Instagram today, you got, a couple of shout outs. And I was just thinking about some of the guys that would have been in that meet with you in that decathlon, uh, Joe Shiriak, who competes oh, for yeah. athletic. Yeah. He competes for athletic lab track club. Now said good dude and great competitor. I'm glad to hear you still going. Uh, I'm mm-hmm. trying to think of some of the other guys, like I'm sure Will Daniels would have been yep. in that. And he ended up going to Iowa and was a first team all American and qualified for the Olympic trials. Like yep. just talk about some of the, camaraderie like in the decathlon like are you still close with some of those guys that you competed with at nationals or do you still talk to any of them or uh not super closely I remember um just from my sophomore through my senior indoor season before the pandemic happened um just like over that time span anytime you saw like any of those guys at a meet even if you weren't doing multi you you're all kind of keeping tabs on each other seeing how each other's doing and you'd be like oh hey I saw you like high jump this high or you're javelin this far. Um, so while we were in it, um, there was definitely like from meet to meet, if you'd see them around the country or um, every once in a while, you'd like reach out if they, I know like one guy got hurt one time and we all kind of reached out to him a little bit, um, but it's been a lot of fun watching. Um, I think I knew that Joe was still running. Uh, Will Daniels, I saw last year, obviously do really well at uh, the national level. And then at the trials, uh, Dylan Cooper is another guy who I mm-hmm. think competes um professionally now um yep. down in uh that's i think he's at the same training facility as joe yeah um, yeah uh but yeah it's just it's cool seeing guys at like this at the like lower d3 level um still competing and some of them are making like a pretty big name for themselves yeah dylan cooper who you just mentioned finished fourth at usa indoors like not mm-hmm. <laughs> no small feat there so yeah, and Jack Flood. Uh, I don't know if I ever ran against him. He was maybe a year before me, uh, but he got, I think, second or third at USA Indoors. Um, yeah, took third. And he did well at uh, the trials, I think. Dude, and not not only that, that man has a Chipotle bowl named after him right I now. I know, that's, that gets <laughs> talked about so much at our practices. <laughs> Do you, have you ordered a Flood bowl yet? No, I, I have not. I, uh, I've been meaning to. I was trying to, I think the first 500 were free. I was trying to get one of those, but I, I don't think it was the time. Yeah, I missed out too. I checked the promo code. I probably won't get a flood bowl, but 
uh, pretty sweet to see like a former D3 decathlete. Yeah. Ended up. It's just cool seeing track and some love too. Oh, we'd just love like to see the it. The track and field world in general. Mm-hmm. Underappreciated, I think. Oh, 100%. Yeah, it's uh, not every day that a decathlete has their face on a featured Chipotle menu item. So that's pretty yeah. pretty sweet. Okay, you did allude to this. And I feel like this is one of those moments where someday we'll look back and it'll be like, where were you when you found out COVID was a real thing? And I think for me, like, I remember I had left my teaching job that day at Fargo North and I went to the track and earlier that day, the news had broke that like NCAA men's basketball tournament was canceled. It was like, that's crazy. And then I showed up to the track and there was like a lot of sad faces and people were saying like, Oh, the indoor championship meet was canceled. And that was the same weekend as your guys's for D3. And, and then it turned into our spring break trip got canceled. I was thinking, Oh, that's too bad. But, and then someone said, Oh, the outdoor track championship got canceled. And it was like, Mm -hmm. what? And then all of a sudden it clicked like, the season's over now for you spring of 2020 march of 2020 you're at the ncaa indoor championship meet this is your senior year and just talk us through that experience i know you've told me the story before but this is a really good one i think for other people to listen to but also just to to like have recorded so you know sometime we can be like what was that like uh yeah uh so a little bit of context. Uh, at that point, I knew that I was going to go to grad school for public health. Um, and I was in a, like a research class that a um, few times a week, we would um, throughout the semester, just kind of look at some world news and uh, the like the coronavirus pandemic that was starting. Um, we were tracking it, actually. Like we had been like looking at it, like looking at all the like small amounts of data that's been collected on it at the like at the time, the few months before it like really broke out in America. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was, it was, it wasn't news to me that it was happening. I was, I mean, we were all pretty surprised that it became as big as it did. Um, but yeah, so we got down North Carolina for the indoor championship meet. Uh, we had our pre-meet day, which I think was on a Thursday, Wednesday or Thursday, and we were just hanging out. Um, and I think we were at some small little, like a, like Italian restaurant. Um, I think the night before, and we were watching the TVs that they had up and it was like videos of like games getting canceled. I think it was, uh, was it Rudy Gobert that licked the microphone? He like touched all of them. Yeah. Yeah. It did something weird. And then like, they're like, Oh, he tested positive. Um, yeah. So I think that, and then we were sitting in that restaurant when a bunch of games got canceled and we were like, Oh, like that's crazy. Like, that won't happen here but like that's crazy that that's happened because everyone at everyone at that meet had already been in the facility together like the like parents and fans have already kind of been in there walking around so we were like well we've already been around each other so like we might as well have a meet um but yeah so i think it was that night the night before uh the hep was supposed to start um they sent uh, like an email out to all the coaches um i think like wisconsin eau claire didn't even travel their athletes there i think or maybe they're, they were there and then their like president like shut the team down before the meeting started. Um, so like some schools are like, oh, like if it happens, our athletes can't compete. So it was, I think it got like really political really fast, but um, yeah, so they like canceled it and, and then we were just kind of stranded in North Carolina for a couple of days. Yeah. And so at that point, are you thinking, 
my whole season's over. Like I've, I'm not going to compete outdoor or was it just like, give it a few weeks and hopefully this gets better. Yeah. I mean, we didn't really know what to expect. Um, especially given like my background in the, like the field of public health, we didn't really know what to expect, but then also like just as athletes, like this has never happened before. We don't really have a precedent for what to expect if something like this happens. Um, so I think we are just hoping that, you know, maybe we get outside and, um, weather gets warmer, kind of like just like the seasonal flu, like when it gets warmer, it goes away. Um, so we were hoping that things would get better. Um, but yeah, I think maybe within the next week, even everything was pretty much shut down and they were canceling all the like outdoor, the rest of the season stuff. Um, but yeah, I, that was not a fun time. Um, I think I came to grips with it pretty quickly, maybe quicker than some other people. I don't know if that was just cause I was like avoiding um, like emotionally processing what was happening. Um, but yeah, no, that, that like first week afterwards was definitely not a fun time. A lot of people were very sad about, um, with like the outdoor season getting taken away and also just like time with your friends mm-hmm. that you get as well. So yeah, that wasn't a great time. Yeah. I remember a little comedic relief here. Matt Neuer was, one of your coaches, he was, yep, yep. you guys were out there before he was there and he got on the plane, but he got the news that the meet was canceled while he's sitting on the plane before they had taken off. And <laughs> Garrick said, well, do whatever you got to do. But if you can get off that plane, we're not competing. You should get off. And so he like asked the flight attendant, like, Hey, like my meet got canceled. Can I, can I leave? And they're like, yeah, that's <laughs> fine. But yeah, yeah just, just a crazy, crazy, crazy situation. And so then, like, here's here's why we've got you on the podcast, because you've got such a unique story. You hang up the spikes. You call it a career. You you know you're going to get your master's in public health at the University of Milwaukee. And, you know, time goes by, and you're, you're at Milwaukee, but all of a sudden, like, the wheels start turning in your head that – the NCAA is granting another year of eligibility and I could potentially cash in on this and take advantage of it. So kind of walk me through that process. Cause you and I had some conversation. We had quite a few conversations last year about just kind of what that would look like. And so when did the wheels start turning that maybe I'm not done with track? Yeah. Uh, I think, well, the first thing, um, I think I sent an email to our like alliance officer at Concordia just being like, Hey, I'm not making any decisions, but if I were to want to use my fifth year, um, so this would be last year, really two years ago, mm-hmm. uh, I was like, Hey, could I use this year of eligibility at like a division one school? Um, like I'm going to grad school for there. Like it's not going to make or break the deal. Like I'm already going there. Um, like, would it work? And they're like, Oh yeah, like, I guess it would work if you ran this next year. Uh, so then I reached out to the coach and was like, Hey, like, would it work out if I ran like here are my PRs? Like, I'm not lying. I'm not just like making stuff up. Um, here's like my T first page. Um, so I talked to him a few times and he, like, I explained my situation. Uh, and he was very understanding, but I think just due to like financial reasons and there were some other cuts happening on the team in terms of um, like not going to as many meets and whatnot. So he's like, no, I'd feel bad adding another athlete that we'd have to like make some like financial moves for that we're not really in the position to make. Um, so he's like, I'm really sorry, but like it won't work out. 
Uh, so that was last year. And I'm like, okay, like, no worries. Like, I'm like getting married in grad school. Like, I'm, I'll probably be busy enough. Um, so then um, I had to get my timeline right. So I was pretty much all right with it at, in the time. I'm like, you know what? Maybe it just wasn't meant to be. Maybe I'd be too busy. Um, so then maybe a year went by and I was, so this would be, uh, let's see, this would be last winter, maybe. I started looking at some indoor results of meets happening. I uh, looked at just some Concordia results. I still have friends on the team, some NDSU results. And I'm like, oh man, like I found myself like doing some math for people like live while they're doing like a heptathlon. Uh, I think it was probably some of the NDSU guys. I'm like, oh, like if they vault this height, they can run this 1K, like they'll like like score 5,000 or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm like, oh, like I, I still like track. Uh, so then over the next maybe few months, I uh, reached back out to the coach and I, I did my own research on some like eligibility stuff with the six year being granted to a lot of athletes. Mm-hmm. Um, normally you only have five years to do your four seasons, mm-hmm. um, but they added that six year for uh, people that got affected by COVID. Uh, I'm like, hey, I think within the rules I can run with even with like the year of retirement. Like, I think I can still run. So we I talked to him, we talked to their compliance person um, and we found out that I could run and then it would just be a matter of like, uh, do I want to? Uh, will it work with like my school schedule and also turns out being married makes you busy. Um, <laughs> <that's>, Crazy. <laughs> yeah, nobody told me. <laughs> uh, so that was definitely a part of the decision as well. Uh, but yeah, so then... Um, they were in season still, uh, Milwaukee was. So I sort of just kind of did some stuff on my own in terms of like writing my own workouts for, I think maybe a few months. Um, and so it, I was like, I was running on like the sidewalks when they would have like a little bit of snow on them. And I had no how far, no idea how far I was running. I was like, okay, I'm gonna go out there run like for 30 seconds, like pretty hard or like however, like, I was trying to like, make the percentages work out um and it was like miserable i was running by like random people like getting yelled at by people people like would yell stuff out their cars at me <laughs> they're like and it, it was different than just like seeing someone jog like everyone like jogs outside but i was like running as fast as i can like, through these like neighborhood sidewalks um people probably thought i was crazy uh, and then eventually i found i'm like okay there's like public tracks in milwaukee so i got on some tracks <laughs> Um, eventually it became more official. Then I got a hold of their like official workouts. I don't have to write my own workouts anymore. Um, Dude, I just have these visions of like Rocky Balboa and just like running (laughs) up the steps of like the, the Capitol building. Like I just see you like, I don't know, sprinting on these streets in Milwaukee and you're right. People are probably like, what the heck is this guy doing? Yeah. But yeah, that's like, it's pretty gritty. That's pretty sweet. Yeah, I mean, looking back, I don't know if I'd ever do that type of stuff again, but it was um, definitely like a memory. It was enjoyable in the moment. I mean, not very often you get to write your own workouts too. Mm-hmm. Um, forces you to do a little bit of research, which I'm always open to. Uh, I tend to be probably too cerebral at times and want to think too much instead of just do. Uh, but it was, I think, a good exercise for me to write my own workouts and then have to go out on the sidewalk and get them done. Yeah. 
So you've made the transition now. You went from Division Three Concordia College to a year of retirement. You come out of retirement. Now you're a D1 athlete. Yeah. And just talk us through this season. Like you are, I'm sure, about to open up your outdoor season pretty quick. But what did indoors look like for you? Uh, indoor season was mostly just training. I competed a few times. Uh, I did one half. Uh, and then maybe competed at, I think, two kind of just stray meets here and there that were close. So I didn't have to travel super far for them. Um, it was good. It was a lot of relearning some movements um, that were a little foreign to me just because the year off. Um, I was in decent shape. So thankfully that stayed with me through some of the workouts. Um, but yeah, I was just learning a new coaching style, uh, meeting new people, having new teammates kind of getting uh, plugged in with like a, a new team culture. Um, and then obviously there's just a few like differences between the D1 and D3 level, sort of just in terms of like expectations. Mm -hmm. um, I think my, my, definitely my junior and senior year at Concordia, the expectations were, um, were lifted. Uh, I know before that it's, it's hard sometimes to tell kids that are paying to run track on your team, like, hey, you have to do these workouts in the fall and like in the summer. Um, but the intensity got cranked up my junior and senior year, but um, I think it's just naturally a little bit higher um, when there's more on the line um, now in Milwaukee for me. Um, but I don't know. I've, I've enjoyed it. I think it's kind of the standard I've always held myself to, so it's not too much different. Um, mm -hmm. But it's just fun to be around a lot of people that take track really seriously. Yeah. Now we had somebody submit a question. Just you kind of touched on it just now. Differences between D3 and D1. And you can probably speak to this a little bit now that you have a perspective on each because, you know, you come out of high school, you got a decision to make where where do you go for you? You decided D3 right away. And that was a really good decision for you. But touch on like some of those differences right away. And then maybe like what kids should be looking for now that you have some perspective on both. Hmm. Um, I think for me coming out of college, thankfully, uh, both my parents and really everyone around me was telling me to make a decision that incorporated not just sports, but, um, you know, academics, the like campus atmosphere, how it feels walking around it, um, and just incorporate as many things as you can, not just focus on like, do they have a good football team or, you know, whatever that is for the individual person. Um, so thankfully, Concordia had a really good biology department, um, which is what I majored in, uh, and they had a good football team, and, uh, and I liked Garrick, and I knew him from my brothers, because uh, they both ran track there as well. Um, so it was a really good fit for me. Um, and, you know, maybe you could argue that um, I maybe could have tried to sneak in at a higher level or a better school or, you know, whatever, something different than Concordia, but it worked out really well for me, and I was really grateful for it. Um, and then now being at Milwaukee, um, I would say if you're not going to be super committed, trying to get in at like a D1 school is probably something that isn't a great idea. Um, I know we've had a few athletes that have just kind of at Milwaukee um, that have just, I don't know, I don't know if they got kicked off the team or kind of half quit, um, but it gets dwindled down a little bit quicker um there's definitely higher expectations um sort of more like rules to follow um and they i mean i think they ask a lot of you 
Um, so I think that's maybe the biggest difference that I've noticed. Uh, I think school to school, maybe like the training room, the like athletic uh, training department, um, things like that might be different from D1 to D2. Um, but I know some like D3 schools might have like a really good weight room also. So it's not just like empty. Um, mm-hmm. that like a D1 school is going to be like better than a D3 school. Yeah. And that is so true. Like there's so many like niche schools, like they might be a lower level, but they might have nicer facilities than a lot of D1 yeah. schools. I can think of a lot of D1 schools, even in familiar conferences, like the summit league that don't really have an indoor track facility or, yeah. or like here in Des Moines, like Drake doesn't really have an indoor facility. So mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we don't have really... an outdoor track at Milwaukee. So yeah, you told me this a couple times, a couple phone calls ago. You are training at like a high school, is that right? So we do we do as much as we can on our indoor track, which thankfully we've been able to put a lot of resources towards um, our indoor facilities. Um, and anytime we want to get like longer workouts, um, we have a pretty long straightaway. We can actually get through I think seven or maybe eight hurdles um, on our straightaway indoors. Um, but yeah, so we, we have a throwing room where we do a lot of our throwing sort of like that little cove you guys had at NDSU. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, if we want to like throw like jab or disc outdoors, there's an India, or a, NDSU, there's a high school right down the road from us. That's, that's like a two minute drive. Um, and they're really good about letting us use their facilities. Um, but yeah, it's like, we don't, I mean, we don't have an outdoor track, which is probably the first thing you'd think of with the like a division one track program is like right. how nice is the track um so yeah it definitely just depends on like where you go i guess yeah that's so funny even like you're gonna notice when you're done competing if you ever do want to do a track workout and like you said there's public tracks in milwaukee but here like in des moines i've like tried to figure out like okay what tracks can i go on and like what time can i be on this track mm-hmm. that i won't interfere with someone else and like do i know any of the coaches so that if they see me it's not going to be weird and yeah. yeah, there's a lot of variables. Or like, what fences am I allowed to jump? Which fences will <laughs> I be okay if I jump? And which ones will I get in trouble for? So, dude, so you're on spring break right now, but are you opening up the season here pretty soon? Yeah, I uh, we had a pole vault practice tonight and I was just kind of like looking around and I'm like, when's our first meet? <laughs> it's like, obviously like some, we have some distance runners running this weekend down in, I think, uh, North Carolina State, um, but I was like, when are, when are we competing? Like, I really should have the member the, the schedule memorized. But um, they're like, oh, I think like next weekend. So not this upcoming weekend, in like three or four days, but the weekend after, I think we're in uh, Illinois State. Okay. Um, competing down there, so I'm not sure what events we'll uh, we'll do. I'm sure it'll be a pretty low key weekend for the Maltes, but yeah, no, it's gonna be exciting to put on the uniform. Uh, get rid of the unattached uniform um, and feel really like I'm part of a team again. So I'm, yeah. I'm really looking forward to that. Were you, what kind of Jersey were you rocking then for the unattached? Was anything cool? No. Well, it was, it was just like a white Nike Jersey, but I had so many ideas. Uh, I really wanted to bust out the Globetron shirts. <laughs> that might be a, might be too niche for somebody but well well, i'll tell you what we did have one fan submitted question has the power of glarbtron helped you in the transition so 
Can I ask who asked that question? I'll, I'll tell you after the, the podcast. Okay. But. Okay. Uh, I've, so I've told the story of Glorbtron a few times to a few different athletes, and they, they don't really get it. I think, uh, I, I don't know, it's, it's got to be a Red River Valley thing to really understand it. Um, I, I wear the shirts to practice sometimes, and definitely I, like, will remember I'm wearing the shirt, and then I'll just kind of, like, remember, like, some joke about it or something. <laughs> and it kind of it brings me back home a little bit because um, we would always get them at our alumni meet, I think. Um, would I always just like run over to the corner and pick them up and see like what the New Year's Glarbtron shirt was? Mm-hmm. Um, I know my brother actually has a Glarbtron jersey. A jersey? Yeah, they made a jersey one year. Oh my gosh! I'm pretty sure. Um, we'll we'll have to try to get them to bring them back. Yeah, I think they're pretty old. Like I think like <laughs> at least like ten years old. Dang. So they they've been around for a while. Uh, but yeah, I ended up just borrowing a, a white jersey from. Didn't want to be, didn't want to be that guy that like showed up and wore like some crazy shirt. I was uh, like at NDSU. We had a teammate named Matt Bedard, and he was a 400 meter hurdler. And one year he qualified. It was after our freshman year. He qualified for the Junior Pan Ams for Team Canada, wow. and so he like had the Canadian jersey. And then for several years, it got passed down to like red shirt 400 meter hurdlers. And so, like, at our indoor meets, you just see this random kid, probably from, like, small town North Dakota, rocking a Team Canada jersey. It's like, whoa, who, who is that guy? Like, why is – and then the question would be, like, why is a guy representing Team Canada in the, la- the last heat of the 400? Yeah, running, like, a, like a 60 or something. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, that's, that's – yeah. No, that's so great. I'm so glad to hear that you're going to be kicking off the season here pretty quick. and. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see you in a different jersey, but it's also going to be really exciting. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Hey, well, I'm just going to – I'll do a little outro here, but then I, I'll just stop the recording, but I'll keep you on for a little bit. So I'll cut this part. But Well, Matt, it's always a pleasure getting to catch up with you, and we're super excited. And awesome insight into, like, the different levels, D1, D3, and your journey. So thanks so much for hopping on and sharing your story. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Good luck this next weekend. Yeah, thank you.